Thank you guys for that welcome. Praise God. Don't you love your church? Amen. You got a great church. Don't you love your pastor? You got a great pastor. Pastor Blake and Carla, thank you guys for letting me be here, spend time with you guys, and just the fellowship. It's a real blessing. It's an honor. You guys are doing an awesome job. Every time I come, I love seeing people I've seen for years and years, and then new faces too. Amen. This is your church. Look at somebody and say, this is your church. Come on, say it with some conviction. This is your church. Amen. This is, it's not Pastor Blake's church. It's your church. Amen. And we're going somewhere. It's always exciting to hear those announcements of something that's coming up because we have something to do, right? We have something that we love, which is our church family and our church, and we, and we love the Lord, and we have something to look forward to. And, you know, every marriage needs those three things, something to do, something to love, and something to look forward to. And we're going somewhere, and I, I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm not discouraged. I'm not uh, sad. I'm excited because these are the last days, and Jesus is coming soon. And that means that he could come back for his church this week. We might not even make it to Thanksgiving. And so the time is now for us to talk to our families, tell people about Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. If you have a Bible there, turn with me to two passages of Scripture this morning. And I want to just give you a word this morning that will, I believe, help you. I think we need some encouragement. We need to know what, what is, what's next for us as a church. And why are we going through the kinds of things that we're going through? Two passages of Scripture. I want you to turn with me over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, and then we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 48. You can look there in, in just a moment. But Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is, this is a place where Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he is thirsty. He asks for some water, and He's already been through so many things. I don't think any of us can even imagine the kind of, of suffering that Jesus went through on our behalf, what he went through on that cross. I don't think Hollywood can paint a vivid enough picture of what Jesus really did for us. I think what we need is a real revelation of the cross and what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he accomplished for us. He's gone through so much, and he asked for a drink, and the, the scripture here says that they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall. Mixed, in one translation, it says bile. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just bitter. They gave him this to drink, and it says, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink it he knew what it was he would not swallow it he wasn't he wasn't interested in them they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall and after tasting it he was unwilling to drink it let's pray father i pray that this word today would be a, a word from heaven god that you would lord let it be sown into our hearts and help us to have a, re, a revelation 
of the circumstances we're dealing with and what you're doing in our lives, God, what your process is and and using us and God that you can use all of us. I pray that we would understand that. Lord, we should not be defeated. We should not be discouraged, but we should have hope in you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. You know, I was listening to the, the words of that song and it said well, that we sang this morning. He says, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Can anybody remember where that was in the Bible? Do you remember that's a, that's in the Bible somewhere? Anybody know? Class? <laughs> anybody know? I believe it's in Genesis 50. It's where Joseph is meeting with his brothers. And he's got his family there and they've been through so much and he says to them he says the things that you meant for evil god meant it for good the things that you thought were going to be bad for me you remember they sold joseph into slavery but if you go even farther back you get back to this guy named jacob who's joseph's father and jacob was a swindler he swindled his brother out of his inheritance. You remember that? And he, and he had Rachel. And if you get a picture, I'm going to paint a picture for you this morning of this man, Jacob. And I want to, the title of this message is A Life Poured Out. Jacob was a man whose life went through a lot of mountains and valleys. If you're in the second service, which we are, and you were in the first service, it's going to sound like another message to you. Because I'm going to, this is like the first part of the second part, or something like that. I don't know. Jacob was a man that at one point even wrestled with God. His life was a picture of ups and downs. He had everything and he had nothing. He lost his wife. He had conflict with his son, Simeon and Levi. He had uh, all kinds of, of problems that were going on in his life that were, that it was a picture of one day being up on the mountain and one day being down in the valley. And isn't that what life is many times? Is Sometimes we're up here on the mountains and everything's good and there's... You know, you got enough money to pay all your bills and and, you know, it's like for a minute, the kids are healthy, the cars running and the bills are paid. Everything you need. And then there's those moments when it's like all the devils in hell came and camped out at your house. Every devil just felt like it was their business to torment you and the cars broke, the kids are sick and there's not enough money at the end of the month or there's something else that's going on, Right. Life is not lived on mountaintops. Our Christian experience, and just because you're in church or we're, we're born again, doesn't mean we're exempt from the, the crises and the trials and, and circumstances of life. We, we all live in the same world. Pastor doesn't go to heaven on, on, on Sunday afternoon and come back on Saturday. He has the same problems we deal with the same things and and you know sometimes i look out at our church in colorado springs and i see people i know them i know their families i know their their circumstances they call me and all week long i get calls from various people i'm not telling everybody about their business but i know everybody that walks into our church has a problem some kind of problem 
Everybody's dealing with something. In, a, in, all, in this crowd right here, some people clean up better than others, and they, you know, they may have driven in in a better car or, or whatever the case is, but mark it down, every person is dealing with something. And the sooner we understand that life is a, a series of battles and it is sometimes, it, sometimes it's, it's killing giants and sometimes it's just pulling out splinters. But it's always something. And our lives are lives that are poured out, but it, we are being poured out for a purpose. I guess if there was another title, we could have called it Poured for a Purpose. Because there's a process that takes place in our lives that when, when we are poured out, and, and you'll understand more in just a moment, that we are useful for the master's purposes. We're useful for whatever it is that he has in store for us. We don't even understand what it is right now. You don't even know what, why, why am I going through this? How many have ever asked God, said, God, why am I dealing with this? Why am I going through these problems? Why am I, why I look out at other people, they, they don't, uh, you know, it'd be one thing if we were dealing with problems that we created. You know, I, you know what I'm talking about? There's, there's problems that are a result of bad decisions. Then there are those problems that you didn't ask for. It. You've done everything right. You say, I tithe, I go to church, I, I treat my wife good or my family good. God, I've been reading, praying, why am I dealing with these things? And I look out at the world and I look at people, they don't care a thing about God. They got all their needs met. David said in Psalms, he says, I, I, I got my eyes out. I think it's Psalm 73 where he says, I'm looking out and I'm looking at the world. He says, my foot almost slipped. I got my eyes on people and looking at all of the things and how they were doing well and I was struggling. He says, my foot almost slipped. But then I went into the house of the Lord. And I saw what their end was. I saw what the, the final chapter was. Listen, the final chapter for the world is a life lost and ends, that ends in destruction, separated from God. You can face all of the trials of this world, have trouble and, 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 and crises and all kinds of things, but make heaven your home and you've won the victory. You'll make heaven your home. You'll end up on the, on the side of victory. And Jacob's story is a story of having, having been all of those things to the final point where he's lost his, his son Joseph and Benjamin was taken. Jo, jo, you know the story. I won't recount that for you. But he, he's, in Genesis chapter 50, he says, The things that you meant for evil, God meant it for good. God had a purpose, and we wonder why and what is the purpose that, that we're facing these things. There's a story of a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. He was born in 1828. He was a businessman in Chicago. He had many properties and, and different things, and he got saved, gave his life to the Lord, and Soon after he got married, he lost his uh, son, a four-year-old son, passed away. And his, is a, his is a story of a lot of tragedy, a lot of different problems that he faced. And it began with the, him losing that son. It wasn't long after that, the Chicago fire, maybe you remember that, reading about it in history, swept through Chicago and 
uh, you know, 100 people died and 100,000 people were displaced without any homes. And he lost a bunch of businesses. It was like one setback after another. He found out his friend D.L. Moody was going to be preaching over in England, so he decided to make a trip, and he sent his wife and daughters ahead on a ship, and he would join them later. But while they were crossing the Atlantic on that ship, they hit another ship, and that ship that they were on sank, and three of his daughters were killed in the middle of the ocean. It was only his wife that survived, and she sends a telegram back to him, and she says, saved alone, the girls have been lost. He was broken. Now he's lost four kids, his businesses, and it's just like, when's he going to catch a break? And he decides to go over to England, and he, he's going to go over and get his wife. She's been taken there, and, and as they were passing over the spot where he, that ship sank, the captain called him and says, this is the exact place where your daughters died. And he, he wept at that place, went back to his room, and he began to write that song. Maybe you've heard that song before, It Is Well With My Soul. When, he says, when peace like a river comes my way. He says, it is well with my soul. Later on in his life, he, he eventually passed away, and they moved to Jerusalem and began some other ministry things, but his wife once said, God gave me four daughters, and now they've been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. She testified that She'd heard a voice speaking to her, and that voice said, you were saved for a purpose. She remembered something in that moment. It's easy to be grateful and good when you have so much, but take care that you're not a fair-weather friend. You know, it's easy, isn't it, to be grateful when everything is going right. It's easy to serve God when we're in an altar somewhere, we're in a conference, or we're at a youth camp, and everything is just going good. But what about when we have to go out and face the real world? When we have, when we have to, you know, hold our head up and say, God, in spite of all of the things that are going on around me, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to have faith. I'm still going to, to, to be a witness and talk to somebody about Jesus. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. God, it doesn't matter what they do in Washington. It doesn't matter what happens with the election. God, you are my source. This government is not my source. Politicians don't have the answers. And I'll tell you right now, the world is, is looking for answers. And listen, no, nobody in government can solve it. Man's problem, man's greatest need is a heart issue. Our biggest problem is that we people have rejected God and they're looking for an easy answer and they're looking for somebody else to solve their problems when the reality is it's a heart issue. It's something that's on the inside that needs to change. The second thing is, is in Jeremiah 48 and verse 11. You have, on one side, you have Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, his tribe and his people. They have been through many times of suffering. But then you have Moab, and it says in Jeremiah 48, 11, Moab has been at ease since his youth. Moab, Moab didn't have the kinds of, of struggles that Israel had. 
Moab did not have the kinds of, of battles. It says he has been undisturbed like wine on its dregs. And he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. Therefore, he retains his flavor and his aroma has not changed. He's, he's talking about a, a nation or a people that have not been, they've never experienced having to fight through trials. Never experienced. They've never been disturbed. I heard a pastor preach one time along something along these lines on, on trials and, and all of these things. And it, the title of his message was, Trouble is My Friend. I wonder if we could look at that. When we, you know, we avoid suffering. I told the men yesterday in the discipleship, I do everything I can to avoid suffering. I, I mean, I try and think ahead. If I, if I can avoid running out of gas, I, I do it. Pastor Mario and I, he'll share some stories about that at another time. But I avoid suffering. I don't want to be hungry. I don't want to be cold. Am, are you with me? Is anybody else here you'd like to avoid suffering? Or do you just purposefully leave the spare tire at home? You know that spare tire is in there for a reason. You start thinking about, do I have enough gas to get me where I need to go? Do I have a jacket in case it gets cold? You start thinking ahead because we want to avoid that. But, you know, he, he's talking about people here. They, they, they've never been had to deal with suffering and struggle and, and, you know, trials in life. God's literally saying that, you know, they, they've settled. They've never been poured. You know, that pouring, uh, what he's talking about, the dregs or the... Uh, in one in one scripture, it talks about the lees. It's the it's these these floating things in wine. When they would make wine, the dregs is what kind of settles down to the bottom. You don't drink that. You want that stuff to be. You want it to be filtered out. And so, by to filter it, they would pour from one vessel into the the other vessel, and that would leave all that bitter stuff behind. Does that make sense? So that pouring process is a constant, situa constant thing. People say, well, when's it going to stop? When are the trials going to stop in my life? Like, when am I going to get to that place where I graduate as a Christian and everything just gets easy? Pastor Blake, when, when does that happen? Never. It, it, you, it's a continual process. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There's a real devil. He has a real strategy against our lives. His, his strategy is to separate us from our faith. He hates the fact that, that we have made a decision, and any time we make a decision, he challenges that decision. He does not want to see you make it for God. He does not want to see you make heaven your home. He wants you to be frustrated with your wife or your husband. He wants you to be you know, volatile in your emotions. It's, it's his strategy. It's how he operates in life. He's a strategist. And he, so we, that pouring process is, is a purifying process in us. It does something in us. You know, there, there is a compassion that's developed in us, isn't there? There's a, there's a heart for people. You know what? I've been there. You, say, you can say, you know what? I've been there. I've, I've faced those giants before. 
Their testimonies all across this place. People that come from a, a wide variety of backgrounds. We have people in our church that, I mean, they've, and even here, I've heard your testimonies before. You've, you've lived what, more than what two or three people should be living in a lifetime. Dealt with abuse and been shot at and had uh, all kinds of, of things that you wouldn't wish on anybody. Had to deal with all kinds of things. What, what, was, what was the purpose in all of that? God uses that person's testimony. He uses what you've been through. He's going to use you as an impact in somebody else's life. People that have never had to face and, and rise through, above challenges and work through problems and, and come out victorious on the other side, they're missing out. Because God wants to use us in that. It, that. Those things are not meant to, the devil might mean for those things to destroy us and to crush us, but God uses those things to bring us up. He didn't bring us out of the miry clay and pull us out of that pit of despair so we could sink back down into it with our depression and our discouragement. He wants to use us. He wants to turn it around for his glory. It's a testimony. It's a slap in the face to the devil. Even though I've been through those things, even though I've had problems that I wouldn't wish on anybody else, my God is faithful. That's the attitude that we ought to have. God is faithful. He restores. Thank God for that. And for that reason, Moab didn't make progress. But Israel would affect the entire world. And their entire history is one altercation after another. Under one king, they would have blessing. Another, another king, they would be brought down low. And you just see it again and again with the people of Israel. I'm going to ask you, do you really want to do something great for the gospel? Do you want to do something great for God? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take us being willing to, to persevere. And not let the and not have such a fragile faith. You know what fragile faith is? A fragile faith is the kind of faith that the you, you get the uh, run it one little speed bump or problem in life, and you say, you know what, I quit. I'm I'm not I'm not going to serve God anymore. Somebody doesn't say something or says something wrong to you, and and then you're mad at God. And I've, we've, I've seen it many, many times. Then you don't see him for two, three weeks, two or three months, two or three years, two or three decades. What happened? They were offended. They were mad. They, something happened, and, they, and it doesn't even have to be at church. It could have been at work. It could have been something somebody said, or they saw something, and they didn't agree with it, and it, and it affected their faith. And that's a strategy of the devil. And you know, even if, if you'll come to church, the devil is content to let people just come to church as long as they don't make any real commitments and make any real sacrifices. And it seems like, well, man, when, when am I going to get through this? Just as things begin to, to settle down, it's almost like God begins to pour in our lives again. What's he doing? He's working out his purposes. He's bringing us, he's always trying to bring us into his will. 
While the devil is trying to separate us from the will of God, God's trying to bring us into his will. He's, he's bringing us into a place where he can use our lives. And we need to learn to yield to the Holy Ghost and let him change our lives. I think about this with Jacob. You know, through all of it, God was basically saying to him, you know what, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your family. I'm going to use, the, you're, you're going to be a people that are going to affect the entire world. And nobody's been able, nobody's been used mightily by God that was allowed to stay like Moab. You can't stay like Moab and never have, never work through problems. Work through things and, and be used by God. We have to be poured from vessel to vessel. So there, there are those people in a church, they, they never, they don't want to be poured. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be convicted. And these are the ones, they don't, ever, they don't go to an altar. They're never, they, they're never stepping out, always holding back. And then there are those that say, God, I want to be used. Lord, use me. And, and they, they step out for the things of God. They want to do something for God. You can't have the, the mountains without the valleys. Moab didn't want to be poured. I, I think about Moab. He said, where, where is Moab? Do you, do you want to know where Moab was? Moab was the place where Moses was buried. You remember Moses? Moses was, he, the, he, he did not get to go into the promised land. He had to just watch it from a distance. He saw it from a distance. That's the place where God buries what's, what's, be, what's behind. That's where Moab is where God buries what's, what, what's unwilling to change. I don't want to be like Moab. I want to be like Israel. Israel had, had their challenges. They had their, their, their burdens that they had to carry. But I, when I look, at, I look at where we are and I look at what God has brought us through, I want to be that kind of a people. This, you know, this church has been through some challenges. This church has been poured from vessel to vessel in a sense. There's a squeezing. There's a, there's a time of, of where it's, it's uncomfortable. And we don't like it sometimes. We wonder, what are we going to do? And how are we going to get through this? And what's the answer? And it, it, you wouldn't even be in this building if, if it wasn't for that process. I remember talking to Pastor Blake and, and the building over here off of, was it Fort Worth Drive? That, that building, and they're, now they're going to put the, the road through there and all this stuff. What, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? It, it was a problem. What's the solution? There's, there are all kinds of things going through their minds. But God opened another door. And let me tell you, God will open a door in your life if you won't give up in the process. If you won't get mad at God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. If you won't say, well, just forget it. I quit. If you won't give up in the process, if you simply trust God and say, God, I don't know what you have for me, but wherever you're going, I want to be there when you get there. I want to be there with you. And God, we're going forward. And they went over into the promised land. 
God had a plan and a purpose for them because they were willing to be led by the Holy Spirit and they were willing to be poured from vessel to vessel lives that were poured out. And I want you to know God's, God will use you, but it will take sacrifice. There's, and the, you know, it's exciting. I think about these testimonies. These, if you want to read some, some good stories, read some missionary stories. Read about this book. I don't, I don't know if anybody has it. Pastor Blake, you might have it. Before We Kill and Eat You, about H.B. Garlock. I read a lot of, of missionary stories because I want to see what they've been through because it gives, me, it gives me confidence that if God can use them, if God can take them through such difficult and dire circumstances, impossible situations, there's an, another good one. I think everybody ought to read it. It's called Steel in His Soul. If you like to read, you ought to write that one down, Steel in His Soul. It's a great missionary book. There's another one called Mountain Rain about James Frazier who went into China. These guys, I mean, they, they took some serious risks. They did some great things for God. And it was, it, when I see those things, it, it lifts me up and it encourages me because I see God, you could, if you can do that with them, you can do it with me. But you know what they did? They had to sacrifice a lot. They left their families. They left, they left a lot of money to be honest with you. C.T. Studd went into Africa, went into India. Uh, this, the, I'm getting way back now when I start talking about these old guys, all right? But they, these guys had money. He was a world-class cricket player. I mean, do you guys know how to play cricket? Does anybody know the rules to cricket? I don't think even in India and England they don't know the rules. I'm just kidding. World-class, though. This guy had money. Gave it away. So that he could go on the mission field. They don't write books about people that, that sit back and just, you know, spend their lives on a flowery bed of ease and just kind of, you know, don't, don't take any chances. Let's take some risks for God. Let's do something for God. Let's be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And even when there's, there's trials and tribulations, we're working through those things and we're saying, God, in spite of what we face, we're still going to trust you. There are two ways you can deal with things. One, you can... You can just kind of float through and take the path of least resistance and just take everything that comes and say, well, I just, I guess this is my lot in life or I, you can get bitter or you can be like Jesus in that very first scripture, scripture and it says they, they gave him that wine mixed with gall and he would not drink it. When we begin to take that bitterness and we, we get bitter about our circumstances and we get mad at God, and we're complaining, it, it begins to eat us up from the inside out. That's when you, that's when you drink from, that, from those circumstances. Does that make sense? You internalize it. You ever been around somebody that's just bitter? bitter they're bitter about life, bitter about everything. They, it's just, they're, they're just not very pleasant to be around. Bitterness, you've heard it said, I might have even said it here before, is bitterness is the poison you drink when you, while you wait for the other person to die. It's the poison you drink. It, it eats you up. It's, it does something to us. And I want you to know that is not from God. That is a strategy of the devil to rob you of the destiny and the best that God has for your life, the doors that he wants to open, the opportunities that he has, the fruit 
from your life, the fruit of your investment, you know what? You're not going to take any possessions with you to heaven. You can't take anything except souls. When we go to heaven, the only thing we're taking with us is the people that we have led to the Lord. That's your fruit. That's your investment. When you in, when you go after somebody and tell them about Jesus and share what he's done in your life, that's the that's what you take to heaven. And when and when we see others do something for God, whether you're a goer and you're you're like Pastor Dylan over in ten, Tanzania, which there's a lot of opportunities in places for us to preach the gospel. Whether you're a goer or you're a sender, that fruit is a credit to you. What Pastor Dylan does over there is a credit to us. It's accounted. It's it, it goes on your account and on my account. And I want God to use my life, and I want God to open doors, and I want to have, I want to see the possibilities. It doesn't matter what the government does. Jesus is still the same. God is still the same. God is, he's, he's light years ahead of all these politicians. He knows the end from the beginning. And therefore, therefore, we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We just know that we have to live right and do right. Our hearts need to be right before God, and he's going to carry us through. He's going to meet our needs all along the way. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads together all across this place for a moment of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now and we ask for your mercy. God, I pray for those that are in the midst of a trial, in the midst, they're in the midst of a battle. Lord, they may be fighting through some things. Maybe they are in a place where they feel like they're just taking their last breaths. They feel like they can't make it. I want, Lord, I just pray that you would touch their hearts, touch our hearts in this place. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that don't know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would speak to their hearts and touch their life. Transform them. Transform all of us, God. Holy Ghost, we need you in this place. Holy Ghost, I pray that you would walk in these aisles. Lord, I pray, convict of sin. Lord, I pray, liberate from that bondage of discouragement and despair. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're in this place and you, don't, you do not know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you cannot say with certainty that if you were to go into eternity today, if we never had another service, if you were to walk out of this place and to step into eternity, let me ask you, would you make heaven your home? Is Jesus sitting on the throne of your heart? Do you know him? Do you have the understanding and faith in Jesus Christ, the understanding that He is the Lord of your life. If that's not the case today, you can know that you know that you know. You can be sure. You say, Pastor, that's, that's my situation. I need salvation. I really am not sure if I would make heaven. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need forgiveness. I'm lost without Him. How many all across this place would 
lift up your hand and put it back down. You say, that's me. I need Jesus to come into my life. I, need, I want to pray that prayer. God bless you, sir. Yes, you can put it down. How many others? How many more? You lift up your hands. Yes, sir, I see your hand. How many more? Just put it up and put it right back down. Raise it up and put it back down. I see your hand. Praise God. How many more? Oh, he's a good God. He's a good God. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. I don't know how they do it. Rejecting Jesus. He's the giver of life. He lifts the burdens. He'll walk with you through every trial. Maybe you're backslidden and you're away from God and you want Jesus to come back into your life. Somehow you lost your way. But today you say, you know what, Pastor? I'm coming home. I'm going to rededicate my life today and I'm never going back to that old life. How many would lift up your hands and join these? Yes, sir. Yes. How many more? How many more? Yes. Praise God. I want to give another invitation. To, we'll open these altars in just a moment, but there are some here you are. You've been beat up. The devil's, it's like he's raked you over the coals. You've just been through one crisis after another. Maybe you've questioned God. You've said why, and you've been mad at God. I want you to know Satan is a thief. But Jesus, he's a giver. He's, he gives life. And life more abundantly. I want to encourage you. We're going we're gonna to find a place to pray in these altars. If, you, if you've just been tormented and depressed, maybe it, you've been, it, nobody else might even have a clue. But you say, Pastor, I've just been battling some things in my mind. I've been battling. It's a, it's a, the devil has just been tormenting me. I want you to cast that burden over onto Jesus' shoulders. I want you to know that he's, he's right here to take that load from your life and to bring peace, to give you rest at night, to lift that burden. It's not yours to carry. Cast it over onto him. I want us to stand together, and we're going to open up these altars for prayer. I'd like for these that lifted their hands for salvation to just step out and come and we're going to come, and we're going to just find a place to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you wish you had. I want you to come, and we're going to just talk to the Lord. We're going to bring our burdens. Let's just cast our burdens over on him. Let's find a place to pray as we sing. Can we do that? Amen. Let's all come together. Let's find a place. Just begin to do business with God. Let the rain of your presence fall. 